Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbarnwell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. Spiritual fathering and sonship, this topic that we're going to explore this weekend, is, is, is so abused in some contexts where there is unparalleled um, exploitation from men who claim to be spiritual fathers over spiritual sons, but yet they simply are using spiritual sons to make huge sacrifices at times, to feed their misguided agendas, building their own kingdoms. And in some quarters in the church, this has become the new golden calf, which is an idolatrous position. And so I will demonstrate these principles to you throughout the weekend. And you will see it clearly demonstrated in the scriptures. Every son of God is a son of God. What ultimately we want to see in you is not so much the characteristics of your spiritual father. We want to see the characteristics of your heavenly father vested in and and through you. We want to see the representation of Christ manifest within your life in thought, in attitude, in behavior so that you too can one day say to men, if you've seen me, son, I am the embodiment and the total representation of everything my heavenly father is. To get to that place, God has set a wineskin in place in his body. A model, if you would. I call it a conduit. It's a method. It's a means to a greater end. You can't get to the end unless you employ the means. Not so? Right? If you want the result, if you you want the end, employ the means. Spiritual fathering and spiritual sonship is purely a means to a greater end. It's not the end. It's the means. If you make what is intended to be the means, the end, you abort the intention of the means. So if something is intended as a means to an end, a process to get a result, if you make the process the result, you will never arrive at the result. So when we discuss spiritual fathering and sonship, always realize that this purely is God's conduit, God's structure to get the result. If you fail to give attention to the ultimate end, you will abuse the process. Okay? We all understanding? You will abuse the process. Okay? Now, The church of God is the family of God. Everyone say, we are family. We are family. And you know the head of every family is a father. Not so? In the Hebrew, the Old Testament Hebrew word for father is ab. A-B or abba. Right? Everyone say ab. Right? In the Greek, the New Testament word is pate. Everyone say pate. 
some folk at church affectionately call me Pate. Sounds better than up, but in any case. So Pate, we get the English word paternity. Right? Pate is a derivative of the Greek word for family, which is patria. So in the Greek New Testament, the Greek word for family is patria, and the Greek word for father is pate. So patria is derived from pate. That's the true order. So you get pate, and there's a derivative called patria. Pate, father. Patria, family. Patria, derivative of pate. In other words, you cannot have family without father. You cannot have the spirit of family in a congregation without there being a strong fathering grace. You can never ever hope to function as the family of God until the principle of fathering is strongly installed within that context. God is the God and Father of the families of heaven and of earth. Let me give you a few scriptures because I'm just speaking and quoting scriptures. But I think we need to read some. Okay? Go to Ephesians chapter 3 quickly. Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to read just one scripture as an introduction before we get into the actual message. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. Paul is speaking, and he says, for this reason, I'm quoting from the New American Standard Version of the Bible. If the media guys have that version, it will be great. NASB. Ephesians 3 and verse 14. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Notice what it says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Okay? Now think about what the scripture is saying. Paul is saying, I bow my knee before who? You want to say the Father. Again, we see the principle. I bow my knee before the Father. And he says, from the Father, every family, both in heaven and of earth, derives its nature. A family does not derive nature apart from deriving that nature from a fathering grace. You can never have family without father. Right? So the characteristic of father must permeate family. Right? And you will soon make sense of much of what I'm saying by the end of the weekend. I'm just throwing out statements, laying a foundation. And we're going to give expression to this. We are building something in the spirit. Tell your neighbor we are building. And by the end of the weekend, you will see the entire edifice. Right now, we're just digging trenches, laying foundations, which is some of the hard work. But we'll get to the the roof height soon. Okay? Now, I love this verse because it says, Paul says, I bow my knee for this reason. And we won't read the context to explain the reason. But for this reason, I bow my knee before who? Before the Father. It says, okay, let's, New King James is fine. To the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Everyone say named. 
Now, obviously, the word name indicates nature. Where two or three are gathered in my name, that does not necessarily indicate gathering in the name of Jesus. The word name in Scripture is symbolic. It's metaphoric. Um, whenever people's names were changed, two things either happened. There was a change of character and there was a change of destiny. Not so? Right? Remember Jacob, his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. Jacob means supplanter, conniver, deceiver. Israel means one who prevails and has power with God. Right? So when the man's nature was being changed, his name was being changed. Right? Also, when in Scripture, destiny or function was being changed, names were changed as, as well. Um, Barnabas was called Joseph. He was a Levi in Acts chapter 4. Remember the guy who sold his property and he brought the proceeds of the money and he laid it at the apostles' feet? He was, his name was Joseph, which means God adds. Everyone say God adds. It's an economic anointing. Who'd like that one? <laughs> Even Joseph of old, in the Old Testament, had an economic grace upon him to save the whole world from economic famine in his time. This Joseph in the New Testament owned large tracts of land and when he discerned that what was taking place in his day in his church, in the church world, was a new and a valid, authentic, apostolic move of God, he had no problems selling all his property, bringing the money, placing it at the feet of the apostles. And I don't think it was, yes, it might have been literal, but it was, the symbolic meaning is he wanted to finance and give momentum, fast track, the purposes of God vested in the apostles and leadership of his time. When the apostles saw him, the Bible says they renamed him Barnabas. Not so? What does Barnabas mean? Son of encouragement. Hey? Son of consolation. Paul would say in teaching on spiritual gifts, he would prophesize, must seek to edify, exhort, and comfort. And Barnabas, whose name means son of comfort or son of encouragement, I believe, starts to fulfill a prophetic function in his time. When the church at Antioch was founded, for example, because of the persecution, the apostles who stayed at Jerusalem, the Bible says, they sent Barnabas down to see what was happening in Antioch. There was new believers being coming into the kingdom. A whole brand new church was being formed at an alarming rate. Listen carefully. When he comes, the Bible says, and he greatly encouraged why will a man encourage new church in Acts 11? Because in Acts 3 and 4, apostles had the wisdom to discern your function is now shifting from one of a predominant economic race, Joseph, upon your life, to now being a great exhorter, a great establisher, a great encouragement to the people. So they rename him. The act of renaming 
was not just to be politically correct. It was to, it was to serve as a facilitator of the man entering his destiny. So, one of two things happen whenever you use this word name. Everyone say name. Whenever I, I, I study the New Testament or Old, and I see the word name, two things hit my mind. I must think character. I must think destiny. I must think identity and destiny. Nature and function. Who I am and what I must do. Two issues. Everyone with me? Right? So, when we reread this scripture... Let's put it up on the board again. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is what? Is named. Oh, so it gives me some idea now. So if every if 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 in the earth or in the heavens, no matter what realm you're occupying, if at any point you call yourself Family, the characteristic of that family must be flavored by the name Father. And we don't just say name as in pronoun Father as a descriptive term. We know from Scripture, whenever the word name is used, it denotes nature and function. What it is and what must be done. Identity and destiny. It means then... If the church is the family of God, what should we see in the church? The nature of the Father and the function of the Father permeating every single thing we do. Right? If in, and let me just say this. That's why sonship is so important. Because son, everyone say son. Son is the only biblical principle that has got the potential to fully express Father. If you've seen me, the Son, you have seen the, you have seen the Father. So when you talk Father, Son, spiritual Father, spiritual Son, that's the process, the means, designed to get me to the end, the result which is mature, divine sonship. Not so? Because only as I mature in son can I fully express father. The son would say, I do nothing of myself. But whatever I, I see the father do, that I do. I say nothing that is mine. They even said, teacher, good teacher, you speak well. He said, no one is good except my father. Right? He even said at one stage in the Gospels, even my doctrine is not my own, but my Father's. Because as I hear, so I, so I speak. So if ever the world is going to see Father, if ever every family, everyone say every family, this is not only the church, any, any entity, any organism, be it spiritual family in the church, or be it biological family that you know it to be your typical family unit, anything family that does not have the nature and function of father embedded in it is really not family. 
You can call yourself the family of God, but unless you derive... Everyone say, from whom? So it means you derive, you draw it out from a source. So if you say this family in the earth, it says that family must derive its name, its nature, and its function from the, from the Heavenly Father. Right? From the Heavenly Father. God is spirit. All of God is spirit. John 4, 24 says God is spirit. Tell you nobody, He is spirit. A spirit cannot be seen, not so? If you can see a spirit, you should be very worried. <laughs> All spirits need bodies to express two things, their nature and their function. In Galatians 4 teaches this, that He, the Spirit, witnesses with our spirit that we are what? Sons of God. And it says, For God sends forth war. God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son in you, crying, Abba, Father. Right? So, everyone say, the Spirit of His Son. He sends forth the Spirit of His Son. Let me just make just one or two statements. God is Spirit. All of God is Spirit. God the Father is Spirit. God the Son is Spirit. God the Holy Spirit is Spirit. Right? Galatians 4 teaches that when His Spirit witnesses with my Spirit, that I'm a Son of God, and even in Romans 8 you will read this uh, something similar to the effect that He sends forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, we cry, Abba, Father. And it says, it is the Spirit of Christ. Matthew 10 and verse 20 teaches, Jesus said, when you speak, when you speak, can we throw the scripture up there? Matthew 10, 20. I think that's the reference. When you speak, it will not be you who speaks, but it will be the, what? The Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Not so. So can we conclude, every aspect of deity is spirit. The Father is spirit. The Son is spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is spirit. God in His wisdom knew that He had to relate Himself to human beings in terms that humans could understand. We know family. We know parentage. We know sonship. We know the order of children. So God who is a mystery, God who is cloaked in mystery, wants to make himself known to men on the earth. So he will relate to you on the level that you understand. So he comes to you in what I call relational dynamics. Because father and son talk about a relational component. Not so? Relational dynamics. The Father has a will. The Son executes the will empowered by the Spirit. Right? The Father has a nature in the visible but known realm, which is earth, the visible seen world, because in the unseen world, they are not seen. Come on, let's be real. Because they are all spirit, 
they are not seen, but God chose, and His intention is to manifest all that He is as spirit in a body. Psalm 40, for a body thou hast prepared for me. What is the church called? The body of who? The body of who? I will demonstrate to you tomorrow. I won't get to the... I just want to lay, lay some, some points out tonight. I will show you from the scripture. Whenever you say Christ, you always reference the entirety of deity. Colossians says, the fullness of deity bodily dwells in Christ. Everyone say bodily. Right? In the Greek, it's, the meaning is corporeally. The corporeal principle is simply this. It's a, it's a theological term. It's a big term that means something very simple. I don't know why theologians make things so complex. Because there's heavy words to for basic things. Right? The corporeal principle is simply this. Everything spirit of necessity chooses to manifest itself naturally in a seen realm. In a seen realm. Even demon spirits require a body to come in. Otherwise, they, they, they can't express their nature and their function without a body. Who are you? You are the body of Christ. Who is Christ? The fullness of the Godhead, Father, Son, Spirit in His church. Right? There's a relational dynamic in the Godhead, the Father and the Son. Every expression of the body of Christ, which is family in the earth, must derive its nature and its function from the Father. The Father must be in all. Let's just go quickly to the Scriptures. Ephesians chapter 4. I had PowerPoints prepared, but I knew this is going to be a prophetic, and we're going to be as the Lord would lead. So I don't want to sort of break that flow. You know the, the objective of the fivefold ministry. Let me just read it. I'm, I'm not sure which um, verse we're going to read from. But let's just go to Ephesians 4 from about verse 8 or so. He gave some to be, you know the, the scriptures. Yeah, verse 11. Let's read from verse 11. Verse 11. This is very important that you see this because it will really help your understanding. He gave some to be what? Apostles. Everyone say apostles. apostles. With your thumb, say apostles. <laughs> apostles say prophets. I point to the other person, prophets. The prophet knows everything. Thou art the man. You are the one. Yeah. So I, I, the apostle, the prophet, evangelist, the longest finger, it reaches out to the lost. Right? The evangelist. Pastor is the wedding finger. The caring, compassionate, loving, he cares for the sheep, etc. And then the teacher. The teacher always provides balance. Your baby finger and baby toes provide balance to the whole body. Did you know that? If you want to test this, cut them off tonight and see what happens. <laughs> you lose your sense of balance. Okay. So he gave some to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. Why are five, we call them the fivefold ministry. More accurately, uh, the, the term fivefold is a theologian's 
a theologian's coined term. The more accurate term would be ascension gift ministries. It says, when he ascended on high, he gave these gifts, which happened to be five. Five is the number of grace. So the grace components in Christ have been compartmentalized in five distinct anointings or areas in the technicians of grace given to who? Given to the body of Christ. Why? Let's look at for the equipping of the what? Question, is an evangelist to equip saints? Yes, according to the scripture. Not so? We often think evangelists in a tent somewhere winning the lost. That's a very narrow view of the evangelist. All five are given to the saints. The evangelist will awake within you a passion for the lost. He will equip you to see the love of God even in the most um, irredemptive soul. person you think is long gone outside of hope of redemption. An evangelist comes and oozes the love of God and is able to impact the saints to see everyone within the range of redemption. And we don't cut anybody off, but our view is God will always have mercy on the lost. Amen? We must never ever lose our, our passion for the lost. Right? The point I want to make is, too mature, too mature, you need to be exposed to apostolic grace. Too mature, you need to be exposed to prophetic grace. To fully mature, you need to be exposed to the evangelistic grace. To mature, you need to be exposed to pastoral ministry and grace. To mature, you need to be exposed to the teaching of the, uh, the grace of the teacher. If you are negatively disposed to any single one of the five, you negate your possibility to mature as a son. It is very simple from this verse. Don't, through negative experience, with any one of those five, cast it out. Seek the truth. Seek the true. Seek the authentic. Let me just say this to this church, and we speak prophetically to all, even the pastors that are visiting here tonight. Because our sins hurt in some respect with either one of any of the five that I've mentioned. Some of you have been hurt by prophets. Some of you have been hurt by those who claim to be apostles. Some of you have been hurt by evangelists, pastors and teachers. You cannot cast the baby with the bathwater out. Reject the ministry because of your personal negative experience. For if you consistently reject that which God has positioned for your maturity, you negate the possibility to mature. I will, and let me just say this again too, I believe we're in a day where God is restoring particularly the first two, apostles and, and prophets that are authentic. There have been a lot of charlatans, a lot of spurious guys, but let me just indicate to you in the, in, in the realms of the Spirit, open up your eyes, open up your mind to receive this fact. They are true men of God. They are valid apostles. They are valid, authentic prophets. They are valid evangelists. They are valid pastors that love the body of Christ. And they are sound teachers. Not everybody is teaching false doctrine. 
But if you negate through one or two negative experiences of your own with those close to you, and we, we distance ourselves from this grace, we negate this. For what? The equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the the body of Christ. Fivefold ministry is a body ministry. Ascension gift ministry is a body ministry. The next verse. Until we all come to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of what? The Son of God, to the perfect man, that is maturity, to the what? The measure of the stature of the fullness of what? What is Christ? Father, Son, Spirit. Right? I'll demonstrate the scriptures to you tomorrow. Christ is the fullness of deity. Alright? Let me put your mind at ease. Because this might challenge your thinking. Christ is Father, Son, and Spirit. But, in an earth-based context, here on the planet, this earth, in the physical, real world, the entirety of that order of Christ, when it comes down from the unseen heaven into the earth, it can only manifest as sun. Sonship has got the possibility of containing everything in deity within itself. The Son would say on the earth, you've seen me, you've seen the, the Father. The Son would say, when I speak, it's not me, it's the Spirit of my Father speaking in and 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 through me. For unto us a son is given. The child is born. Within every child born is the son given. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. What? So the son that is given, his name, nature and function, is called what? Everlasting Father. How can the Son be called Father? In every Son is the principle of Everlasting Father. When that baby is born, that child is born in the earth, he comes forth and as he matures into sonship, he can say to men on the earth, if you've seen me, the Son, you've seen the Father. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Matthew 16. You know the verse? Who, Jesus asked, who do men say that I the son of man am? He did not say I the son of God am. Jesus is both the son of Joseph. Luke 3, 23, quickly. I think it is. <laughs> quickly, quickly. We need to work fast, eh? Tell your neighbor, we put your seat on, we're going to fly now. <laughs> okay. Uh, is this making sense? Amen. Is this helping you? Amen. Jesus himself began his ministry about 30 years of age. Being in brackets of God as it was supposed the son of who? Question. Is Jesus Joseph's son? According to this verse? Yes. Right? Not in biological terms. Joseph was the custodian, the fathering Tell your neighbor, Joseph is a fathering principle. Because the Bible says, yeah, he was the son of Joseph. It's a record of the genealogy of 
Jesus, okay? So Jesus is the son of Joseph. That's he's the son of man. Right? Whenever the New Testament uses the phrase son of man, it always references the humanity of Jesus, the son. Not so? The son of man. Next verse. And it goes, the son of Matin, the son of Levi, the son of Malchi. Go down to verse 28. If you trace it right back, going back to Adam, right? One verse down. More. To the end, I think it's the last verse in the passage. <laughs> okay, we keep going. This is a long genealogical list there. How many people read this in the Bible? I bet you don't. You just keep over it, and you, <laughs> you're going to get yeah, and so now it, it's saying Jesus is the son of Joseph. It traces Joseph's father, his father, his father, all the way back to Adam. And it, re, and it reads, by the time it gets to Adam, it says, Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. So if we take now Jesus, as, a, as, a, as it was supposed, the son of Joseph, right? Or we say, Jesus, son of man, son of Joseph, and we leave out all the men in between, and we just put the last statement, he's also the son of God. Jesus is both the son of man, and he's the son of God. He has to learn to submit to Joseph before he can do his heavenly father's will. I'll share with you the scriptures tomorrow. I'm just preparing you so the things we say tomorrow are well received. <laughs> Hallelujah. Tell you, don't you love God's Word? Amen? Amen. You will love God's Word. God's Word is absolutely fascinating to me. Amen? I was so enthralled by a scripture in the week. And we have this group on WhatsApp for our whole church. And I shared this from the book of Ezra. I shared the text. And I sent a short little word of encouragement. And I said, isn't God's Word the bomb? I remember God's word is the bomb. <laughs> this is nothing more exciting to me than the Bible. Nothing more enthralling. Nothing more grand. Nothing more deserving of my study than God's word. Amen. And I, I want to encourage you to develop a love for the scriptures. The Bible must be the absolute center of your life. It's your GPS for life. It's your navigational system. It will guide you to a place called Christ the perfect man, the fullness of the measure of the stature that belongs to Christ. Right? So, Jesus is both the Son of Man and He is the Son of God. If you are a Son of God by virtue of acceptance of Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will never get to a place called maturity in God until you learn submission to an earthly spiritual father and start you yourself to function as the son of man. You being a son of man is a necessary process to full maturation as a son of God. Timothy will never come to maturity without Paul. 
You take Paul out of Timothy's life, and if Timothy rejects Paul, he negates the very means that God put in his life to get him to a place of effectiveness and maturity in God. Amen? If you reject spiritual fathering, you're rejecting the means God has, has designed to, to make you all that you are in Christ. Now, let's continue with Ephesians chapter 4, where we left off. Anybody remember the verse we left off? We went way down. Edify the saints. Let's just go. Ephesians chapter 4. Can you put verse 16, perhaps? So, all fivefold ministry, listen carefully apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are given for what? For the edifying of the body, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of itself in. Love until we all come to the unity of the faith, until we grow up into this perfect man, right? And it says, according to the measure of the stature, the fullness that belongs to to Christ. That's the standard, right? And fivefold ministry is not intended to head churches. Listen carefully. Fathers are intended to head churches. If the church is a family... It is headed by the fathering principle. The fathering principle will be vested in a man. Most churches call him pastor. doesn't matter. But we call him father. Right? A fathering principle together with other elders who themselves are fathering, represent a fathering disposition to the people that they, they lead. Right? You see, the fivefold or the ascension gifts are technicians. They are specialist ministries. They are highly skilled in a particular area of grace found in Christ. They bring that grace to the body of Christ to do what? Perfect the sense for the work of the ministry. Right? And so we all come to the unity of the faith. To, the, to a perfect man. To the measure of the stature that belongs to Christ. But they are not designed to hit churches. And that does not mean that they cannot hear churches. Please hear me. All I'm saying is, even if an, a, an apostle is the leader of a congregation, or pastor, or an evangelist, or teacher, his predominant grace in terms of his leadership over the body of Christ is not his fivefold or ascension gift calling, but the fathering grace present within him. Right? You are first a father to your people before you are the apostle. In fact, the gift is secondary to the fathering grace. Leadership, God is changing the order of the church from fivefold driven leadership to fatherly leadership. That does not mean the father who is leading is not any one of the five. He may very well be. And his, and his fivefold gracing will flow in and through his fathering. Not so? I consider myself as a teacher. I know I'm a teacher in the Ascension Gift Ministries. But I'm also a leader of my church. When I go to them on Sunday, I'm not going to walk in and say, Hey, here comes the teacher. Right? Pull out your books, let's study. <laughs> no, I come as what? I've got a family, I come in a fatherly grace. And when I come in a fatherly disposition, 
my teaching anointing will automatically flow through that. But as a father to my people, I then must also ensure I expose them to apostolic grace. To the grace of the apostolic dynamic. To the grace of the evangelist. To the prophetic grace. And let me just say this. You might have, as a leader, have one particular strength. But we're living in a day in God now. If you stand in Father, I believe in the principle of Father. If and when the need arises, the administration of any one of the ascension gift callings will flow in and through that principle and meet the needs of your people. That does not mean that from time to time you will get specialists in so they can grow into maturity. Not so? Now I'm losing the point. We got sidetracked. Everyone said there was an aside. <laughs> Verse 14. That we should no longer be what? Children. children. Tossed to and fro. The word children there is nepios. At some stage... Um, I've I got a separate teaching on stages in sonship. Um, there are five different Greek words, all translated son in the New Testament, that show development of maturity in every son of God from infancy to adulthood. Right? And the, the terms are nepios, uh, paidon, technon, nianiskos, and euios. Euios is mature. Children here is nepios. It's like an infant, a baby. So the fivefold ministry, he says, is given so that you don't remain immature as a son, a nepios. But, and you are tossed with every false teaching or wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting. Next verse. But speaking the truth, we may, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things into him who is the head Christ. Now, quickly. From whom? The whole body. From Christ. The principal, the head of the church is Christ. From Him, the whole body, it says, being joined and knitted together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes what? Growth in the body for the edifying of itself in in love. Next verse, quickly. Okay, let's stop there because of time. So can you see that everything designed in the economy of the house of God, all the administration of specialist ministry gifts are designed to make the body conform to the head. And who is the head? The head is Christ. Okay? The head is Christ. And in Christ is the principle of Father, Son, and and spirit manifest through every son. Now who can say that I, the son of man, am? Right? Some say you Jeremiah, some say you Elijah the prophet, uh, one of the other prophets. But who do you say I am? He asked him. Peter says what? You know, Peter had a moment of revelation. He said, when I see you, in your humanity, son of man. I'm paraphrasing. Because you asked us, who do men say either? Just pinch your neighbor and say you are still flesh. <laughs> so, 
Jesus says, if you look at my humanness, who do men say I the son of man am? Son of Joseph. What is your view of me? What's your estimation of me as son of man? Peter had a light bulb moment. Jesus even said, you could not have known that by studying anywhere. No human being could have informed you. Flesh and blood has not revealed that to you. But you got that revelation from who? My Father. What? Let me paraphrase again. The Lord is saying, my Father has unveiled to you a major secret, Peter. Peter said, you are the Christ. Not Christ, you are the Christ. What is Christ? Colossians 2 tells us, in Christ is the fullness of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, bodily. Son of man, say bodily. Corporeally, in flesh. If a man is standing in the flesh as a son of God, he has the potential to manifest the principle of Christ. But the principle of Christ in the earth can only come forth as Son of God. You are the Christ, the Son of God. The fullness of the Christ in the earth as Son of Man can only come forth when that man has chosen to mature himself, submit to God's process of maturity, and develop his divine sonship. Do you know how powerful that truth is? You're living in this small town of Port Alfred. It's my first time being here. This is history for me. I've always driven past, you know, on the way to Cape Town. My two boys are studying, uh, one's at UCT and one's at an animation school in Cape Town, my two big sons. So we're always riding up and down to Cape Town, and when we drive down, we just pass by this place. Now I know I can wave to the saints. <laughs> you, you know, you guys in Port Alfred, wherever you stay, actually, in your humanity is the potential to exude and express all of who God is. In this frail body you call my weak flesh, the eternal God has chosen to vest himself in you. So when you're at work and your colleague stabs you in the back and you without thinking, reflexively forgive. And you're displaying love to them. What you're doing before your other colleagues who don't know the Lord, you are putting the name of your Father on display before men to see. You are showcasing the nature and function of Father before men. The world will fail to comprehend it. They will say, how do you do this? You can say, it's not me. It's my Father in me that allows me to do what I'm doing. In fact, if you want to know who my Father is, come study my life. All of you here are the university of divinity. People must come to you as the university of the divine. Study your life, study your attitudes, your decisions, your behavior, and they must get to know who God the Father is. As you mature in your sonship, you have the potential to showcase everything that God is. In 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul said this, 
Be imitators of us and of God. Not just of us, be imitators of us and of God. Remember in another epistle he said, follow me as I follow Christ. You follow a man so long as he's representing Christ accurately. If he's not representing Christ on accurately, you have every biblical right not to follow, not to imitate. So Paul has, you know Paul is saying, really when he's saying, he's saying, let me just paraphrase a few examples. He's saying, if you have a problem in forgiving your enemies, copy me as I copy Christ. If you're struggling with the issue of forgiveness, come and study me, see how I do it, and copy me, and in copying me, you'll be copying Christ. Because my life is an exact representation of everything he stands for. Hmm? Everyone say exact representation. How you do your business before other businessmen must be an exact representation of the name of your father. You as the son must accurately exude and represent him in all of his respects. How you relate to your wife in your marriage as a husband, as Christ is the head of the church, so is the husband the head of his wife. I like, like what it says in the King James, his own wife. You're not the head of another man's wife, it's your own. Don't say, I'm head, head, head. No, you, you're head of nothing, you're just head of that woman. Okay, no other woman. Just in case you got the wrong message. Okay. As Christ is the head of the church, so a husband is the head of his own wife. Therefore, a man should love his wife. How? As Christ loved the church. The standard for a husband loving his wife no husband will truly love his wife until he gets a revelation of how Christ loves the church. Because he says, that is the standard of love that you should exude in your marriage. How can you love that woman if you don't have a revelation of how Christ loves the, the church? Because that is the standard to which you are called to love by. So when we talk Christ, 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 and, and you as a son in the earth, being a son of a man, have the potential to fully express the totality of divinity, the fullness of the Godhead, in your individuality. Let me correct this quickly by saying, it's not only in your, di it's not in your individual capacity that you have the potential to fully express God. It's only within a corporate setting. Because there's a corporate son. I believe God only has one son. While there are many members, but there's one corporate entity called son. Right? It will take all sons to fully express all of who God is. In our corporality, in our togetherness, in our oneness, we can exude the totality of all that He represents. Amen? So I need you and you need me. We can shape the nature of God in each other. Until, the Lord says, until we all come to the fullness. Not some come. You read Ephesians, it says, until we all come. That means you are represented in that all. You are fully represented in that all. And I want to, I want to encourage you 
I don't know why the teaching went, you know, I normally start this manual from page one, but we know we're near there. This is a very prophetic session. And we'll start to build methodically from tomorrow onwards. I'm just laying out some stuff. Some, I'm just testing where the temperature of the, of the spirit realm is. Very high. <laughs> Very high. So we can just start a teaching about our need to just gauge some things in the spirit. And I, I want to encourage you. God has a great destiny for this house. And for the houses that are present, some of the pastors that are here visiting. Everyone who has come tonight, I'm so desperate to mature. I'm tired of being infant-minded. I'm even tired of being a young man in the spirit. I write unto you, young men, John says, because you're strong and the word of God abides in you and you've overcome the wicked one. That's a young man in the spirit. If you're there, you're still a youth. There's a place called fathering. There's a place called maturity and every son must grow up. A place called adults in the spirit. If Neaniskos, the level just before maturity, a young man, John says, I write unto you fathers, he says, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. The word of God dwells in you and you are strong hmm? if all you can claim in your ministry is how you overcome the devil you're still a young man that's not a mature level there's a place beyond that called the fathering principle that's you're still on a journey toward that point that's why a church only majoring on deliverance is stuck in a place called youth in the spirit we must do that, but there's a place beyond that. Yes, yes. Hmm? If your ministry is devil-centered, what happens when the devil is taken away? Then you've got no more ministry. There's a place beyond that. Hmm? There's a place beyond that called maturity in Christ. And I'm personally desperate. I, I want to be a father to my people. I wanna, I'm striving with all of my might in the Spirit to be the best spiritual father I can be to the sons that God has given me custody over their souls. I know my ultimate in intent is this. I must not shine so brightly in their lives so that I eclipse the place of the heavenly father. Then I become an, I, 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 that's an idolatrous position. My whole focus is to use the grace giftings and my collaboration with other sentient gift ministries to bring the entirety of the sons that God has graciously given to me to administrate, to bring them to a place called no more tossed by every wind of doctrine, no more children, we might grow up, what it says, we might grow up into Him. In all things, who is the head, even Christ. Fullness of the measure of the stature that belongs to Christ. Amen? That is the ultimate intent. It says, Ephesians 4, 6. Do you mind putting it up? I think it's there. I may be uh, misquoting the scripture. I just can't seem to find my scriptures tonight, but let me tell you they're in the Bible. <laughs> tell your neighbor they're in the Bible. I just can't. There's, there's a particular scripture that I'm looking for where it says, some of you might know it, maybe one of you can find it, that the Father might be over all, is it there? Oh, hallelujah. You see? 
It's good to commit scripture to, to memory. Amen? I'm amazed at how some young people know the lyrics of complex songs. And you ask them to recite one or two scriptures, they can't. Listen, something's wrong. Eh? I want to encourage you, commit the scriptures to your memory. And you know, I mean, we read from verse 11 onwards about the, the ascension gift ministries. But you know what? Before that it says this. Let's just read verse 5 if you won't mind. Just to get the context. You know the content. There's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism. One, next verse, one Father, one God. One God and Father, what it says? One Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in all. That's the ultimate position. God the Father wants to be above all, over all, through all, and in all. In everywhere you look, you must see two things. The nature of the Father put on display before men. When you go to work tomorrow, you are just, you are all in full-time ministry. That's right. Right? Don't think that only Justin is in full-time ministry. Amen. You are all in full-time ministry. In fact, your job is only God's excuse to show up in your world. It's only God's way of getting to showcase himself to the people that you interact with. I taught for 17 years before I went full-time, well, so to speak, full-time, into ministry. I'm now about 10 years in ministry. And I taught at high school for 17 years. And I look forward to going to school every day. I knew that my job is purely a means. I will do my job faithfully. I was a very committed teacher. I worked not unto my principle. I worked with diligence to please God, my, my Father, not as a men pleaser, but working as unto the Lord. And my, 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 my modus operandi, my mindset was, I will demonstrate the excellence of my God in how excellently and diligently I teach my learners. I will demonstrate the faithfulness of God, my Father, in how faithful I am to my work. I would never miss a day teaching unless I was extremely seriously ill. For a period, almost for a term, I had a major back incident. And I would get up every day when the people, even my principal said, don't come. I'd walk to school like this. I couldn't straighten. And I would teach. Why? Out of a, out of a sense of duty, not to please men. Yes, there was love and passion and concern for my students. It was really a desire to, to reflect the nature of God. Ask, ask your neighbor, are you faithful in the workplace? Maybe we should have an altar call right now. I'm sensing in the spirit. <laughs> what I'm trying to get home tonight is this. As we discuss from tomorrow onwards, certain principles governing this new wineskin called spiritual fathering and sonship. Its ultimate intent is to get you to a place where you have matured in your, your character and nature as the son of God. Because as son of God, in an earth-based context, having been faithful to a son of man, you have the potential to fully represent Christ which is Father, Son, and Spirit in your world. 
And the father who can only function in son. Please get this. If, if ever you go away with a thought tonight, go away with this thought. All that father is, and he father desires to be over all, in all, through all. Read the scripture, not so? Father desires to permeate everything in heaven and everything on earth. It says all the families in heaven and earth derive its name from who? From Father. Everyone say Father. Father. Come on, say it like you mean it. Father. Father. So in my mind, look at the scripture tomorrow from Revelation 14. It says of the, the saints that stand with the Lamb on Mount Zion, on their name, on their forehead, is written a name Father. People are worried about 666. I'm not concerned about that. I'm worried about another name that the scripture says is on my mentality. My thinking is Father. Father must, must dominate my thinking. How I act, how I, how I make decisions. I must always ask myself, as the son, am I showcasing the nature and the will, the identity and the destiny? The character and the function of my Father. Am I putting His love? Let me just say this. I want to have time to teach this. But quintessentially, if you can master love, you've mastered divinity. Love, for me, is the highest expression of all that is Father. You don't even have any right to minister without love. You can know all revelation, Paul says. 1 Corinthians 13 or 12, I think he says. You can know all mysteries. You can stand here and bamboozle men with your revelation. You can know all hidden secrets. Or the Bible says you can be full with knowledge. But if you have not love, you are sounding brass, tingling symptom. He says you are nothing. Tell you about Luto. Luto is, a, I think, a Zulu word, eh? Is this Zulu word that means nothing? Yeah, Luto, you nothing. You Luto. In other words, you've got no recognition in the spirit. You might be recognized before men of the earth, but you simply have no recognition by God in the spirit. I show you, Paul says, even when we prophesy, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part will be done away with. And I show you, he says, a more excellent way. Now there abides faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love is even greater than faith. Boast of your faith all you want to. You have not love. You occupy the weak, the lowest position in the kingdom. Love is the more excellent, the most excellent way that exudes the nature and puts the nature of your father on display. And to us, a child is born, a son is given. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Eternal Father, the Father from timelessness, the Eternal Father, the Everlasting Father, wants to reside within you fully. It's not you who speaks, we read. It's a spirit of your Father that speaks in and through you. Do you know in Job's greatest trial, his three friends uh, misunderstood the reasons why he suffered. And they thought he had sinned, remember? One of them, when he laid a charge against Job, Job's response was, whose spirit 
is that which speaks through you. Job recognized this is not the spirit of the Lord. In fact, it was the spirit of the previous friend that influenced him with an opinion about why Job is suffering. So when the man spoke to Job, Job says, whose spirit spoke through you? Do you know every time you speak, your speech manifests a spirit influence? It's either the realm of the demonic influencing your thought and speech, it's either your own human opinion influencing your thought and speech, or it's the spirit of Father. And Jesus said in Matthew 10, 20, how be it when you speak, it is not you who speaks, talking to his disciples, it's the spirit of your, your father. One of my sons um, in the Lord, that I'm, I have oversight over his soul, committed a grave sin about three years ago. Everyone in his world, except his immediate family, rejected him. There was and because he occupied a relatively leading position among us, there was pressure brought on me to oust him. I knew I had no biblical right to do that. Right? And I confronted him about his sin. But I did it as a father would do, a wayward son. I addressed the matter seriously, with great urgency. And I embraced him. I said to you, your sins are forgiven. We'll have to go through a process, though, of discipline. Right? And I, I expressed mercy. And I'm glad to say, after three years, he's bounced back. He's back in the flow of things. Right? But at a time when I personally was misunderstood for my administration over the matter, when most people in our community expected me to give him the boot, God said to me, I've allowed this to manifest in your assembly, in your church. Because I'm testing to see whether the spirit of Father in you is matured enough. In the old days, we would have dealt ruthlessly with the brother. You know Jesus? Who denied Jesus? Peter, three times not so, right? Do you know from the time Peter denied the Lord to the day of Pentecost was 53 days? And you know, in his denial of Jesus, he cursed, the Bible says. If I was writing the scripture, you fluked. You used some strange words that was not tongues. Peter became carnal in his denial of the Lord. Not so. If, you, if Peter was in your church and you were overseeing that matter, guess what the modern church would have done? They would have marginalized him, probably ousted him. But you know what the Bible says, and Jesus looked at Peter. That was a look, I believe, of love, of compassion. You see, the view of a father in grace even sees that even in the person that messes up the most, they deal with the person not based on his present failure. They deal with the person in the light of that person's prophetic destiny. Jesus could see 53 days from today, Peter. You will be the one that will be standing up on the day of Pentecost, saying, this is that which was written by the prophet Joel. You, Jesus saw you're going to be my spokesperson 
defining a new season in Pentecost in the new church. I want to encourage you. You see, we will never get these things right if we don't function in the spirit of the Father. We are all brothers. Yes, we are bruised. Even in your relationship as brothers, adopt a fatherly disposition. And allow what? The love of the Father to permeate and touch everything you do. Amen? I want you to leave with that predominant thought in your mind. In the coming days, we will show you how to get there. We'll discuss the process. But I, I thought it by the Spirit of the Lord tonight to show you the end. You can walk as a complete representation of all that the Father is. Whenever you encounter situations, I always ask myself, what would the Father do? Is my advice or my counsel depictive of His intention? Is my act depictive of the, what would the Father do in this circumstance? Peter wanted to call fire down from heaven. Remember, and burn up a whole group of people. He said, Lord, just call fire. You know what Jesus said to him? You don't know what spirit you're speaking. By which spirit you are speaking. Some of us are operating by the wrong spirit. I sense so strongly, your family needs to derive its name from the Father. For this reason I bow my knees, Paul says, to the Father of heaven, from whom every family in the earth and heaven draws or derives, pulls down, extracts from, downloads its nature. You must ooze the Father. But you can never ooze the Father if you don't relate to Him as Father. If you are Son, we often say we are sons of God, but you can't talk Son without referencing Father. Father. Everyone say Father. Father. Revelation 14. The saints have the name of Father on their forehead. Now please don't go home and write Father here. <laughs> that just means your mentality, your thinking, your attitude is scarred with the nature of your father. Firstly, that he is my father. I'm not an orphan. Tell your neighbor I'm not an orphan. I'm not an orphan. Right? I, I don't get pressured as to my personal needs like orphans do. A typical orphan is plagued by issues of provision, protection, preservation. But a son knows who his father is and that his father will always take care of you. Do not fret for yourselves what you shall eat, drink, or what we shall wear. For your Father knows that you have need of these things. I'm quoting Matthew 6. For your Father knows that you have need of these things. Right? You'll soon discover whether you know Father or not when you have a need. If you can prove restful in the face of a pressing need, you know that you're maturing as your son in your relationship with your Father. Tamo taught us this, that Jesus could only sleep, could only speak to the storm because he was able to sleep in the storm. Remember when they were on the boat? Eh? He got up and he said, peace be. But before he spoke to the storm, what was he doing? And the disciples were all scared. And Mark says, he was sleeping at the back part in the boat on a pillow. Read it in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Mark said he was sleeping on a pillow. Was Jesus totally at peace? Come on, talk to you. Was he totally at rest? 
Was there a raging storm outside? Yes. So the sun is totally calm and at peace in the midst of a violent storm because he knows who his father is. If the mentality of father scars your mind, you will walk confidently in life as a son of God. He gets up from a sleeping position and in authority over creation. This is something that you're going to see being restored to all sons in the next few years. We're going to express our rule in life. It will even manifest over the creative order. He said to a storm, peace, be still. You can't impose peace upon a realm if peace has not embodied you personally. He expressed his peace by sleeping in a storm. He could command peace over a troubled, turbulent, creative order because he was the embodiment of peace as the Son of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of, of God. You have no right to speak to peace to any storm until you have proved that you are able to sleep in the storm. If you can sleep in the storm, you can speak to the storm. But you can't speak to the storm until you've mastered rest in the storm. And I sense this morning, some of you are in turbulent times. I impart the peace of God over you tonight. Peace be to you. I declare it in the name of the Lord. Peace. Peace to you. Peace to your storm. Be quiet and be still and rest in confidence in the knowledge that God is my Father. He will always take care of me. Sleep in your storm so that you are able to speak to your storm. And then you prove yourself to be the Son of God in the earth. I want to say it again in closing. The Father desires to be over all, in all, and through all. Creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. When even creation sees Son, creation will listen to the Son when the Son even commands it. There's coming a restoration of rule of authority back to the house of God. But it's going to be contained in something called the Son of God. Which sons you are. Amen. Stand with me as we pray. Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, loving Father, we are so privileged as the body of Christ to have the honor of expressing you to the world. We count this a real sincere privilege. Father, we don't take it lightly. What an honor that you have chosen, that all that you are, would be vested in and through us, mere mortals. Like David, we say, what is man that you are so mindful of us? Or the son of man that you care and visit us? I thank you that you've chosen us in our human frailty to express, express the perfection of your entire divinity. What an honor. Father, we lift up our hands just to say thank you that you are our Father, that you are our God, you are our King. Thank you so much, loving Father.
Father of all spirits, the Father from whom all good and perfect gifts come from. We are your sons, and we want to represent you accurately. Father, we lift up our hands. We ask, forgive us where we failed in this mandate. Forgive us tonight. And I ask that grace will be imparted such that we will leave this building even saying to Pilate, like your son said to him, you have no authority over me unless my father has granted you. We can work confidently in life, face trials, temptations, difficulties, sufferings and testings, knowing that nothing we experience is not by your divine permission. For you have a very clear purpose in mind. So Father, we give you thanks. Be over all. Be through all. Be in all. Be all that you desire to be in us. Here we are. Here's our home, our talents, our abilities, our workplace, our skills. In every domain of us, may you permeate your character. Saturate us, Father. Saturate your life of the fathering grace in all that we are tonight. We give you thanks. We ask that you would grant grace to all of us to do this soberly, to do this responsibly, to represent you to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 The Lord bless you.